Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of The Sunday Supper, sponsored by Benny Mudra Wellness of Los Angeles and New York, Hoboken, New Jersey. I am your host, James Benny, and I welcome you. I hope every single one of you had an amazing and blessed Thanksgiving and are getting ready for uh, Christmas and the holiday season as you clear your minds, your hearts, and perhaps uh, your bank account in order to do so. Uh, this week, we are talking about stories that inspired true faith, and I'm super excited to welcome three special guests, three people that I handpicked to tell their stories um, that will hopefully inspire your faith. Um, these stories are very personal to each of my guests, and I'm super excited to uh, share them. I know that sometimes we lose faith, we lose hope in humanity and the spiritual realm, and sometimes we can fall into depression or, you know, victim mentality. I know this has happened to me many, many times where I just seem to lose faith and trust in the divine and in my purpose. And sometimes it takes that one experience uh, or one validation of spirit that can really get us back on track. And these are the stories. This is what I'm talking about. These almost unexplainable spiritual experiences that one might have had that really ignites their true faith. And sometimes the unexplainable can really allow you to believe in the unexplained. So I'm going to tell you uh, a story that really and truly inspired my faith um, in something much bigger than myself. I've had a couple of really... um, incredible and interesting and sometimes scary uh, spiritual or supernatural experiences uh, really beginning at childhood. And I can go on and on about that. And I feel like I really want to focus, however, on one particular day. Um, And this is a story I can't explain. I don't know what happened. But all I know is that I walked away from this experiencing, having been touched by an angel, perhaps. So um, I was born and raised in Hoboken, New Jersey, and I must have been maybe, God, 13, 14 years old at this point, and, uh, or maybe a little older. I can't truly remember, but I do remember that I had a very bad habit of walking around with my um, CD player. Now, back then, uh, we had portable CD players where you had to actually put the CD in a player and hold it very gracefully and gently so that it wouldn't skip. Uh, This was before iPods and iPhones, and I am dating myself here, but whatever. As a child of the 90s, this is what we had. And um, I had a bad habit with walking around with uh, music blasting in my my ears, and I would, you know, was continually listening to music. I loved music. I loved all types of music. I'm a musician myself and a songwriter, so music inspired me daily. Um, but that being said, um, it was a bad habit because I would tend to really ignore my surroundings and just immerse myself in the music as I was walking, you know, uh, crossing the streets, uh, you know, probably not the best thing to do. Um, in any case, one day my mom asked me to go to the store for her. And so I reluctantly said yes and took my headphones, took my CD player And I was walking to the local store, which was around the corner and across a kind of a highway, which is Willow Avenue, where I live and grew up in Hoboken. And as I approached the street, um, it was a very sunny day. And I remember looking up at the, the light and 
the sun was so glary that it, to me, the light was green. Um, and so I proceeded to kind of cross the street in my own world, but I did check and to me, the light was green. Um, the next thing I knew, um, out of the corner of my left eye, I saw a car um, flying towards me. I mean, it was pretty intense. And to be quite honest, in that moment, I was like, damn, this is how James Benet dies. <laughs> because I really just assumed that was what was going to happen because the car was inches from me. Um, the light was not green. It was actually red, but the glare of the sun made it look green. And so I literally walked out in the middle of traffic and I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. Um, it was a very intense moment, but in that moment, I saw everything. I saw my childhood. I saw where I was now, and I even saw glimpses of my future, um, which was really bizarre to me in that moment that I was seeing myself as a grown man and to be quite honest, even older than I am now. So I was kind of seeing into the future, future. Um, all of a sudden, I felt this like intense impact hit me right in my chest. Um, and in my mind, in that moment, consciously or subconsciously, I, I assumed that was the impact of the car hitting me. Um, and I didn't really think about the fact that, well, the car probably would have hit me on my side, but I felt most of the impact right on my chest. Next thing I know, I was like thwarted to the sidewalk. And now I probably was close to the middle of this street. You know, I walked out a ways before I realized this car was like jetting towards me. So I would say I was probably like halfway into the street. And after that impact, um, I found myself back on the sidewalk, but on the ground. And my chest was like throbbing uh, with so much pain. But I realized that I was not dead and that I was in fact alive and lying on the ground in awe and just in a state of really um, disbelief as to what happened. Um, I remember standing up and kind of looking around to see if anyone saw this and no one saw this. Um, apparently I, there was no one around. Um, and I stood up and I realized that I was, there was no blood, there, were, there was nothing, there was no scratches, um, but I felt this aching sensation at my chest. And I honestly, in that moment, realized that some type of force or my angel or supernatural being must have rushed in and literally pushed me with its two hands out of the way of this car and onto the sidewalk. Because if that car had actually hit me, I absolutely would have been, like, you know, dead. I, I could safely say that that would have been it for me. And I really had a spiritual intervention in that moment. I guess it was not my time to go. And I didn't know what to do, so I, I kind of stood back up and carefully crossed the street to the store, got what I, my mom needed. And I walked back home, and I remember going up the steps into the bathroom and I lifted up my shirt 
to look at my chest and there were what looked like uh, two handprints or the prints of something that had pushed me. Um, so they were, they were just kind of big red marks, but they absolutely looked in that moment um, like handprints. Um, and it truly was a miraculous and intense experience in my life. And in that moment, um, I just, my faith in the, my higher power and my faith in the fact that there is something beyond me and there are angels and there is this divine force guiding us, um, expanded, uh, it absolutely did. And I realized I was given a second chance or it wasn't my time to go and I had to be saved. And I started realizing and thinking about uh, like near-death experiences and people who have gone through these types of supernatural experiences, um, especially life-saving ones, that there must be, we must all be on some divine timeline. And if something happens based on our own stupidity, that we put ourselves in the line of real danger, meaning we are putting ourselves in, in a situation where we could possibly die. Um, we need to be saved. You know, we need to be saved. And, and then another force comes in to, to save us from that because we have to live out our life. And, and I feel like our spirit guides and our angels, that is their job to help us live out our life. And if, if something comes in to compromise that, they have to come in and do an intervention of sorts, a spiritual or supernatural intervention. And I believe that's what I had experienced because I was stupid and idiotic to just cross into the middle of the street without realizing that I was putting my life at danger. Um, and then I was reading a lot after that about so many experiences where people have had uh, similar things happen to them where there were a lot, a lot happening in cars actually and in people who almost get into car accidents but feel a divine force kind of save them or pull them out of the fire so to speak um and these are all miraculous experiences of angelic help within the natural material world um it's very prevalent and you can research it and look this up and i was blessed in that moment to have experienced that because it really did shape me um, I was very spiritual back then even. I grew up very spiritual. I always believed in the supernatural because I always had supernatural experiences. But I wasn't sure that even if I did not have supernatural experiences or if I was not connected to spirit, um, I do not believe that that would have not happened. I believe that would have happened because I was meant to live. And when I saw my future self and I saw what was coming for me, I realized, I guess, in that moment that my life did have purpose and there was more to the story for me. So I don't know if I saved myself in that moment or if I was saved, but something saved me and I had the handprints to prove it. Uh, so that was one of my life's changing, changing stories. And I always remember that story when I doubt uh, the divine or I doubt that there's something out there protecting me or watching over me because that could never have happened. Um, so there must be something right guys. So, that was a story that shaped me, but I'd like to really talk about uh, my three guests in this moment. So my three guests are three extraordinary healers and women um, that I really look up to, and I look up to their stories, and they'd like to share their stories with us today. And my three guests are Gina Andriano, Jacqueline Fordella, and Lorraine Giordano. Um, I know these three women personally, 
and it is my honor and pleasure to introduce them to you, to introduce them uh, to the world, to have them tell you their story personally, to hopefully inspire hope and faith in you so that you can never let go of the fact there are miracles and miracles are happening to us and for us every day and in every way, shape possible. So uh, that being said, I'd like to introduce to you my first guest, uh, Gina Andriano. She is a Reiki master and healer and owner of Soul Space Place in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I would like to uh, have her take it away. So Gina, it's all yours. Hi, I'm Gina Andriano. I am currently living in Hoboken, New Jersey. I am a born and raised Hobokenite. Um, I am 52 years old. I've just ended a 31-year career in the print and pre-press industry in New York City, um, which was a beautiful experience, very blessed. Um, and I'm sitting at a place in my life um, where I am about to and have been working on putting my next into place about 11 years ago in 2008. I got sober and have been in recovery uh, by the grace of God for the past 11 years, um, learning a lot about myself, about addiction about darkness, about light. Um, This is where the faith that I was born with, um, which was Catholic, um, grew into a much more founded, um, expansive, exponential spirituality than ever before um, in the process of learning about myself and learning about some of the reasons why I went to the extremes that I went to, I have been able to find so much more peace within myself, um, which has led me to, of course, a much more joyful life. I am surrounded by good people. It seems to me that The people that are in any way hmm, conflictual or controversial just seem to kind of fall off and uh, go away from my life, which is a good thing, and I trust that. I trust the process of that. Um, I trust the process of whatever is meant to go or whatever has served its purpose will in its time and in its right, leave me. Um, But at the same time, all of what exists here in my life has been, in many ways, a duality of what I would consider to be a divine process, most certainly, and some work, some very serious and difficult at times work um, on self. And if anybody has been through the processes of change, of recognizing their darkness, of finding um, space in their life where they um, are confronted with um, 
aspects of themselves that need to be reconsidered or reorganized or just let go, uh, then you'd know what I'm talking about here. Um, Back in 2008, when I woke up to the day, after many different considerations of, is this really happening to me? Um, Can I possibly be someone who is addicted um, to the certainty of, I am (laughs) someone who is addicted and um, I need to make a change in my life? Um, Once I made that acknowledgement to myself, it was as if, uh, you know, the universe just heard my pleas and my place. Um, and at that time, I didn't realize, but um, my life was about to change in a great way. And so I stepped through the processes of what, were, what was put in front of me, what was offered to me, um, Thankfully, I was surrounded by people who had been in some cases um, through what I was about to go through. Um, and I think that those people were, posi- were, were positioned um, perfectly, were placed perfectly in my life. Um, so at the moment of surrender, I was able to reach out to someone who had been in recovery for a while. She was younger than me at the time, and I will never forget her. She's not really in my life today, other than seeing her on social media, but um, her name was Margarita, or is Margarita, and she was um, one of the first people to kind of step me into the process of recovery. And so when I reached out to her and said, here I am, you know, I'm ready, it's time, she said, you know, take these certain steps, these are the steps that I took, and your life will change if you are willing to do the work. And so that was the process. I put myself away for a while and just focused on myself. And I was taught a lot of what I needed to know about the disease of addiction. And in that, you know, basically it was a spirit sickness. It was a soul sickness. And um, that's what I believe. And I believe that, you know, it was time for me to shed some of my human um, in order to expose more of my light and that's very much what happened so walking through the early you know processes of recovery of being sober of living sober was in so many ways like walking around on a planet um, on an alien planet I did not realize um, the true reality of my dislocation from reality until I was left without what I had used for such a long time as my coping mechanisms, as my ways of dealing with life. And um, rightly so. It was like being born again. It was like being a child and wobbling around until I learned how to stand up. And then until I learned how to walk, you know, and then I learned how to connect and I learned how to speak my truth. You know, all of it was like a rebirth. Um, Once I learned how to speak my truth, I realized that for such a long time, I didn't speak my truth. I had not been able to be honest with myself or other people, not fully. And this was introducing me to a time in my life where I would be. 
And so 2008 and 2009 and so on all grew me. I grew up a little bit more and a little bit more along the course of the way. And through that, my spirituality grew, my faith grew, my belief in myself, my trust in the universe, my trust in the process, all of it just took on a flow that in some ways when I look back on it, I wonder, was I fully present to that? Was I making those decisions? Um, But it just felt so right to step into something new, into this new understanding, into this new, you know, into this new self, this new realization and um, connection to self. Um, It just all felt so lovely. And I moved along with that. And I just continued to trust. And the more I learned to trust myself, the more I learned to reveal myself, the more vulnerable I got and authentic I got. Um, I learned to become um, the more people were showing up to mirror that. So as I was walking through my own self-realization, my own self-discovery, who am I today as this person, as this woman, as this sober woman, um, this very spiritual woman, um, really hungry for more knowledge about life and different denominations of spirituality and religion and, you know, just divine processes. I just became so hungry for it. Um, None of it was what I would have ever expected from myself, you know. So I really was being introduced to a self that I had no idea about. And I loved her. I was learning to love her. And I do today, you know. And you realize that when you're in the throes of addiction, how much you don't know about yourself, how much you are willing to put yourself at risk. Um, And in this part of my life, these past 11 years have been not by any means an easy run. You know, I've lost a lot of things. I've um, shed a lot of patterns and behaviors. My mom passed away. My dad passed away. Prior to that, um, family has dislocated to some degree and fragmented a little bit. But here I move along and I'm able to do that with peace in my heart, wishing everyone well, making sure that I continue to, you know, be mindful of what I want to do as being what I believe is the right thing to do, you know, and that is to, if a disconnection has to happen, then I disconnect with love as the best I can. But I also learned how to have my feelings and honor them and respect them and speak my truth when I am hurting, um, but not necessarily having to do that in reaction, but more in response. Um, All of that, to me, is living a spiritual life, is being on top of um, myself and being aware of what my patterns can be. Even, you know, this long a period of time in recovery in a world that's different than the way that it used to be, I can still get triggered sometimes and, you know, get so hurt that I might react um, 
which is not what I want to do today. And I do realize that at some moments, my human will show and I might do those things. I might react rather than respond, or I might not take the pause that I found out is so necessary to take before saying anything, especially in a heated situation. But there have been moments, moments when I did do that. And I just found that I have such a, an emotional hangover after you know, after I do something like that. So I choose to not, you know, as best I can. But ultimately, my life has changed in such an enormous way. And I appreciate that. And again, my job just ended after 31 years this year in August. Um, and it's kind of, again, like walking around, um, you know, looking uh, with wide-eyed abandon. Um, abandonment. Is that it? And, um, you know, wondering what's going to be next. And what's going to be next is I want to be of service. What's going to be next is I am a coach. I'm a life and recovery and spiritual coach. And I'm taking all the steps I need to take to make sure that I am knowledged and and learned and, you know, uh, fed um, the information that I need you know, in helping others. I uh, love to practice Reiki. I love to practice Reiki. I love energy work. I love helping people meet themselves and heal themselves and bring themselves to a place of self-love and self-consideration and um, just being able to tell when there's something in within the, the realm of their energy field or their aura or their being that is not right. Um, and then helping one another because basically it's a it's a partnership process you know to align to realign uh, all of what exists in my life today is not what I had planned for way back when you know I planned for my life to look a different way and the way that it looks today um, is so beautiful you know I get to live this you know, wonderfully free life um, right now, much, much more free than ever before, not, you know, working in the dimension and in the institution of what work looked like for me for such a long time. Now work is, I get up every day and I show up and I am of service the best way that I can to whomever it is that needs me in that day. Um, and I, I do, I, I, I practice the one day at a time thing. Um, and it, is, it, it has served me in a great way. In, in many realms, not only in my recovery, but in my life today, um, in how, how it's becoming what it is that, you know, it needs to be in, in you know, in God's time and in God's plan. Um, and there's nothing that I really have to complain about. I love my apartment. I love where I live. I'm back in my hometown again, and I am truly enjoying being surrounded by friends and family and um, you know, life is good today and I appreciate everything. Um, I appreciate every process that I've gone through, good, bad, or indifferent, dark or light, you know, uh, you know, when you walk the path of a spiritual process, when you make that choice to, I want to be a better person today, how can I serve? Um, you really are met with so much goodness um, you really are mirrored with so much wonder and um, the recognition of receiving everything that you need, you know. Um, so I do today, I have everything that I need. 
Um, and I have all of my life always received everything that I needed, you know, to get through that day. Um, and I get to be even more um, abundant and, and um, mindful of um, the fact that I also receive a lot of what I want. And so um, here I sit, almost 52 years old. I'm going to be um, having a birthday in a couple of weeks and at a more peaceful place in my life, um, a more joyful place, a freer place than ever. I realize now that this freedom that I have, this peace that I have, this joy that I have that lives within me, this alignment that I you know, do my best to keep with is what I had chased so long ago. Um, and it's present here today. And it's present because I'm not afra- afraid to tell the truth. And I'm not afraid to do the work. And I am not afraid to step outside the realm of comfort. And that has been shown to me by so many wonderful people along the course of the way um, who I consider, you know, angels, earth angels. Um, So I live a blessed life today and I am very thankful. So thank you, Gina Andriano, for that uh, amazing story about how earth angels can come into your life at the perfect moment to help change your trajectory. Um, It's important to know, especially anyone who is suffering addiction, that there is a way out, there's a road out uh, from that. And if that is happening, you are struggling with that. Um, It's not only meant to be, it is divine. We struggle with what we need to struggle with. Remember, everything happens for us. It's happening for your greatest good, even if you can't see or understand what that good means to you. Like Gina said, you know, um, she's now living the life that she wanted to li- always live, probably even before she realized she had an addiction. And it took that addiction to uh, bring her into that state of deep, healing so that she can rejuvenate and regenerate these new positive cells and structure in order to be a full recipient for her greatest good and for spirit. Um, When we clear our channels, we go back to that receptive place, that place where we can really be that, um, the cup rather, that can hold our greatest good. And spirit, the divine, the light of the creator always wants to give us our greatest good, even if we don't want to give it to ourselves. So thank you, Gina, uh, for that. If you'd like to get in contact with Gina, if you jived with what she had to say, uh, you can always email me at james at benemudra.com. I'd be happy to put you in touch with her. Um, Or you can go to soulspaceplace.com, which is her website. Uh, So anyway, uh, thank you, Gina. And uh, let's move on. So our next uh, speaker and storyteller is Jacqueline Fardella. And she is actually a really beautiful uh, and talented uh, model and writer and intuitive tower reader right here in Los Angeles. And I'm proud to say that she's a part of the Benny Mudra family. And so let's go over to uh, Jacqueline and see what she has to say. And hopefully we can uh, continue these stories of inspiration. Remember... We should always try to inspire others to grow uh, through our inspiration, right? And through through our growth. So um, here we go. Hi, everyone. 
My name is Jacqueline Fardella. I am a tarot reader for Bene Mudra, and I write a weekly tarot column for Hip Latina magazine. So I have many experiences throughout my lifetime um, that have strengthened my spiritual connection and as well as my growth. But there is one story in particular that everyone has been wanting to hear from me in the past year. Um, And that is the waterfall story. So that's what I'm going to tell you guys today. And I'm going to tell you how that impacted my life and what exactly happened. So about a year ago, I went camping with friends up in the Angeles forest. We decided to go on a hike and we were looking for a waterfall. Um, we couldn't find this waterfall. We hiked for hours. We couldn't find this thing. So we decided to go back to camp. As we headed back to camp, one of my friends thought that they saw it through the trees, so a few of us went down to check it out. And it turned out that we were at the top of the waterfall rather than the bottom. So we decided to get back onto the trail and try to find the bottom so we could look up and take in all the beauty and wonder of this falls. So as I went to walk back onto the trail, I had slipped on a rock and fallen into the river. Now this river was not raging by any means, it looked harmless. It was very soft and flowing. Um, I was wearing these hiking shoes that had little metal studs at the bottom. So I, I wasn't afraid at first, but when I started to try to get up, I realized quickly that it was too slippery. The whole bottom of this river was covered in rocks that were very slick, had moss on them. So when I tried to stand up, I would just be slipping and falling back down again. If I tried to crawl out, I was crawling in place, and I wasn't close enough to anything stable or stationary, including my friends, um, that I could grab onto. And as I struggled to move towards any side of the river, the current was gently pushing me closer and closer to the edge of this waterfall. Until finally, I wasn't able to get out, and I went over the edge. My first immediate thought was praying. (laughs) I prayed harder than I've ever prayed before in my life. And I said, whoever is out there, angels, you know, any God, Jesus, whoever, I, I don't care who hears me, please, please. Be with me now. I need you more than ever. Please be with me. Help me. Protect me. Um, Please don't let me die like this today. And then immediately after that moment, which was the 
quickest moment, um, but felt like forever. I thought I was in a dream. I started going into denial. No way. This is impossible. This isn't happening. This is a dream. There's no way. This doesn't happen. <laughs> There's no way that I'm going over a waterfall right now. Absolutely not. No, no possibility. So I couldn't wrap my head around this being my reality right now. And then I started going throughout my day, packing in the morning, driving to my friend's house, our drive up, um, stopping at the grocery store, setting up camp. And then it all became real. Then it hit me that, no, this is really happening. This is my reality right now. And then I went into survival mode. Okay. The only saving grace is if there's a pool of water at the bottom of this waterfall, then maybe I can get out of this. Maybe I'll be able to walk away from this. It'll hurt. I might get bruised. I might, you know, pull something, whatever, but I, it's my only chance. I look down and it might as well have just been a puddle. <laughs> it was maybe a foot, a foot and a half of water, just rocks, sticking out much high, double the size <laughs> of the amount of water there was, and rocks were everywhere. It was unavoidable. So no matter where I landed, I was breaking something. I knew when I looked down, something is breaking. It's just a matter of what it is. So then, for some reason in my head, this tidbit of knowledge came out of nowhere from something I remembered when I was little, and I don't remember the class or where it was from, but I remember hearing in my head, you have to spread out your weight as much as possible in order to avoid any major impact in any one place of your body, any impact that could cause you to have irrepar irreparable damage. You have to spread your weight out as much as possible. So that's how it, what I did, and protect your head and protect your spine. So that's what I did, and that's how I landed. Boom, splash. For one split second, I thought that I had made it. I did it. I don't feel anything. <laughs> did I pull this off? Oh my god. And I landed on my side, on my left side. And then I start hearing my friends yelling from the top of the waterfall. Do you need help? Are you okay? They can't see me. I tried to move maybe a centimeter. And the pain, the excruciating pain that ran up throughout my body, I never felt before it and pray that I never feel again or that any of you ever feel or have to go through this in your lifetime. It's indescribable. I couldn't yell back because the pain was so intense. I couldn't get a word out. It was just, ah, 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 ah. and I finally was able, I forced myself to scream and I screamed, I need help. Somebody, please, I need help. And I knew at that moment that I didn't get out of that. 
I don't know what happened. I thought I completely shattered my hip at that point. But I knew it was bad. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew it was really, really bad. And my friends came down as fast as they possibly could. I don't know how they figured out how to get down there. Because we were walking for hours and couldn't figure it out. But they figured it out in two seconds. Just like that. Scooped me up. Poor things. I screamed bloody murder when they took me out of the water. And moved me to the side. And I just kept saying... No, 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 no. No, this can't be. This can't happen. My whole life, I've been a dancer. And to think that in that moment, that was the first thing I thought, was that I would never be able to dance again. And that was my worst nightmare, coming alive. And I said, no, 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 that's not what's happening. This isn't what's happening. No, no, that's not. This is, It's going to be fine. You know, you kind of go into shock. So luckily I was with a, a large group of friends. And half of them were able to stay with me, next to me by my side. And the other half went out for help. We didn't know how long they would take. We have no communication with them. There's no service in the forest. So we just had to trust that they would find somebody. And hopefully before dark because we didn't have that much time. Only a few hours before sunset. About two and a half hours later, after laying there next to the waterfall and my friends starting to strategize, what are we going to do? The sun's coming down soon. At this point, I'm an injured animal amongst nature in the forest. Now it's getting real survival. Um, I knew there was no possible way they could move me. Um, it was official medical help or nothing. There's zero chance that I'm moving barely a centimeter. So two and a half hours go by. Friends come back with an EMT in tow. They see me. Then we start hearing... It's a helicopter. Medevac. Coming. Like a scene from a movie. My friends are waving this thing down. They're all waving with like sweaters. They're throwing around whatever they can to try to get the attention of this helicopter. And they see us and they come closer but there's not enough clearance to land. So they have to put me in a basket <laughs> and reel me in at, ha I don't know how many hundreds of feet, I've got to get reeled up and into this helicopter. Terrifying, guys, terrifying. <laughs> but I, at that point, I didn't even care. So just, I just want to get out of here. Get me out of here. They put me in the basket, they zip me up, all you have is your little like part of your face sticking out. It's just your your nose and your mouth. And they reel me in, take me to the hospital. None of my family lives in California. All of my family's in New York. As far as I knew at that time. 
So uh, they call my mom by this time. It's probably two in the morning in New York. She gets a call. Then she starts getting ready to get on a flight to come be with me in the hospital. They tell me, okay, you've broken your hip, you fractured your femur, and you've taken a large piece off of your hip joint. We're going to have to put pins in your hip joint, in your hip, uh, and a titanium rod in your femur. Um, and that surgery was to take place the next morning. This is the first time I've ever had to get surgery in my life. And I was terrified. And I was by myself. None of my friends even knew what hospital I was being taken to. But I had the most wonderful hospital staff and doctor and surgeon. And I was so lucky to have them. And they were really stayed by my side. And they said, the surgeon said, do you have any questions before I went into surgery? And the only thing I asked him was if I would be able to dance again. And he said he can't make any promises. But I should be able to dance again and I was like that's all I want you know that's all I pray for at this point so I go in my mom's there when I get out I have to from this point I have to now relearn how to walk again standing was a huge obstacle in the beginning I couldn't even make it across the room to get to the bathroom it was so difficult I couldn't go home because where I lived had steps walking up to the front door. So I was homeless coming out of the hospital and didn't know where I was going to go. And my mom was with me. So we were able to get an Airbnb for, you know, a week or two. But then, you know, that gets expensive. Where do we go now? My dad's My dad had some extended family in California who I had never met before, maybe once when I was a baby. I didn't even know they were out here. I had no idea I had family in California. And without a blink of an eye, they said, absolutely. They opened their doors up to me and my mom and let us stay in their home for indefinitely. They didn't know how long this was going to take for me healing or finding a new place and all of these things, and they said, you can come stay with us, and we stayed there, and all of a sudden, boom, I have family in California, I was alone, just a couple days ago, I had no idea, now I have family, next, how am I going to work, what am I going to do, I have no idea what I'm going to do now, I can't, I can barely get across the room, now what? I've been a writer my whole life and never used it. (laughs) It was hard for me to expose my writing to people. It was so personal. But I've also been a tarot reader for a long time. And again, never read professionally. That was just for me, for my friends, for, you know, whoever wanted one. I just thought it was an interesting study and something that I really enjoyed. Um... 
the guidance that I could give to people and the help that I could give to people, but I never considered doing it professionally. I spoke to an editor of Hip Latina magazine, the editor of Hip Latina, and she said, we love your story. You should, we need you to write an, an essay on this because you have such a positive attitude um, and you're such a storyteller. Please, please write a story on, on your accident. We would love to hear it. So I wrote a story for them. It did great. They loved it. And they're like, hey, if there's anything else you can think of, we would, we would love more contributions from you. And I noticed, hey, these guys don't have a horoscope. So I pitched them this idea of a taroscope instead of a horoscope. And they loved it. I started writing it. I finally got to be a published writer, not just start writing, but a, pu- a published writer in a magazine. Because of this accident, all of these beautiful doors started opening up for me and my life started to transform in front of my eyes. Had I knew that this happened for a reason and I didn't know why. And I told my mom that I'm like, if I could go back and not take that step, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't change anything. I mean, part of me kind of wants to because it was not enjoyable. <laughs> but the what came out of it, all the snowball that set in motion once that happened was nothing short of divine intervention. I wanted to get out of the apartment that I was in. I was like, for the longest time, when am I moving? When am I getting out? Oh, well, I got forced out of there. And I've always, a dream, a goal of mine was always to live on my own. I've always had roommates and I've always enjoyed it. It's been great. But just, you know, life goal. I want to have my own place before I get married. And just so I have something that's my own. I can decorate it how I want. I can get the plates that I want. I can get, you know, the whatever (laughs) I can decorate it just all me and it's my own personal achievement guess what happened I got my own place I moved out of the place that I've been dying to move out of I got my own place I achieved a personal goal there I achieved a personal goal being a published writer all of a sudden writing for a magazine having a successful column that people just responded so wonderfully, so positively to, and here I am helping people, that's what I've always wanted to do, is just be able to help people in a creative way, in a way that, you know, also fulfills me, like, I love sharing my experiences with people, and if you can help inspire each other, like, that's, that's the goal, you know? All of these beautiful things happened and came out of this crazy, crazy experience. And you know what? If you look for these things, when they happen, you'll see it. If you think back on any time that was really particularly hard for you or crazy for you and then you see kind of where 
connect all the dots, see where things went from there. What would have happened if this didn't happen? What would have, wouldn't have happened if that did or didn't happen? You start to see all of these things and I kind of, it just opens up life for you. It makes you look at things so differently. My whole perception changed after that and my whole life changed after that and things just keep manifesting and keep getting better. And all of the things that I've ever dreamed of in my life or that I've ever wanted to make happen are starting to transform and take shape. And I feel so lucky to have gone through what I went through um, and appreciative. I appreciate it, I think, even more so because it was so hard and difficult. And I hope that you guys can take these things in your lives and and realize their purpose too even if they're so difficult in that time because it really does open up a beautiful door for you you just have to recognize it you just have to see it and take it walk through that door i hope this this story helped you guys and inspired you in some way Um, And thank you so much for listening to me and my story. (laughs) It's, uh, it chokes me up a little bit and it's very sentimental for me. So sorry about the, um, any pauses there, but, uh, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it helps you guys and, um, please reach out if you are looking for a tarot reader. I would love to read for you guys. Um, and definitely check out Terascopes on hiplatina.com. And um, that's all. Have a wonderful day and a fantastic rest of the weekend. Love you all. <laughs> Bye. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for that story. Um, stories like that really make you think. Uh, they really make you wonder about everything that has happened in your life thus far and if all of that did not happen would you be sitting in the same space that you're meant to be sitting in in this moment um and i believe no you wouldn't because everything that happens to you whether you perceive it as good or bad creates your life you know jacqueline's story is amazing to me because she had all these talents that she wasn't utilizing and spirit was like hell no we got to get this girl's attention. What are we going to do? She has, she's, she's not listening. So what they do is they take an opportunity and they say, okay, you're going to have a crash and fall, but we're going to help you. We're going to guide you while it's happening. We're going to talk to you. We're going to talk you through it. And yes, there might be pain. There might be suffering, but you're going to meet amazing new family members and you're going to start writing and you're going to make a business and you're going to become successful just because of that. And if you learn to just let go and allow what's happening to you, the things that are not in control, uh, happen, then you really could be being, you really are most likely being led to a beautiful space and perhaps into your life purpose and soul purpose and your authentic truth. And so I think that's a beautiful story about how through disaster and what was perceived as horror, uh, She found her golden compass. She found the rainbow, the truth. Um, And that story remains as a reminder to her, and I'm sure to the viewers and to myself, never to give up on what your true purpose is. Because if you do, and you're meant to do it, 
spirit might come knocking and if you're not listening uh, sometimes they'll have to push you into a river or over a waterfall in order to get your attention so to avoid that really listen to the whispers of spirit guys and follow what it is you truly want to do and if you are pushed fall gracefully and recover gracefully and receive the message that you are being given because it is a gift I can promise you that um, so thank you, Jacqueline. Again, if you'd like a reading or like to get in contact with Jacqueline in any way, again, please feel free to email me at james at benemudra.com uh, or you can go to my website, benemudra, B-E-N-E-M-U-D-R-A.com and you'll be able to uh, contact her through there. So next up is our last story and uh, it is featured by uh, Lorraine Giordano. Lorraine is a beautiful person and friend of mine. Uh, who was with me since the beginning of Benny Mudra, to be quite honest, and I know that she has an amazing story of faith that she would like to share with you. So without further ado, I would love to introduce uh, Lorraine Giordano. Okay, enjoy, guys. Tis the night before Thanksgiving week, 2019, I'm sitting on my couch with a chill in the air and my little dog, Louie, prancing about. I have two candles lit and I'm ready to spend a little time sharing a story about faith that changed my life. My name is Lorraine Giordano and I'm an intuitive energy healer. I live in Weehawken, New Jersey and... Just a couple of quick other things about me. I am a Sagittarian. I'm about to celebrate my birthday soon in a couple of weeks. I am the oldest of uh, Tony and Bernice's two daughters. I have a younger sister. And I used to work in the financial industry. Um, was very enmeshed in the financial industry and one of my gigs from quite a while ago, I am a co-patent uh, owner for restrictions. And restrictions in the sense from a business perspective of trading equities, trading securities. But I do kind of think that if we're talking about faith and I'm sharing a story, I think my story, um, I think that patent that label of restrictions is a bit of a metaphor um, that my moment of faith helped to kind of dissolve and release some of those restrictions I was carrying in my life for many many moons so before I um, sat down to record this or to share this I um, I have this, this quote in my bedroom, at, and I got it in Kripalu at two, in 2008, and it was the beginning of uh, my journey of reclaiming my health. And I think it's kind of fortuitous, thank you, my friend James Benny, for presenting this topic, because I think it really is important uh, to kind of reflect on it for me personally. But I think as we wrap up 2019 and enter into the 2020s, woohoo! I think faith um, 
and how that kind of is infused in our day to day is so important. And especially with all this hustle bustle and uh, ex- excess stress and the demands of uh, modern living, I think faith is such a key ingredient to our day to day, to my day to day. Um, but I wanted to read this quote. So faith is believing that one of two things will happen, she said, that there will be something for you to stand on or that you will be taught to fly. And I do think that um, if you're out there and you're needing an extra boost, an extra uh, an extra lift in faith, I hope that sharing my story helps out in some way, that you're going to be okay. So, as I mentioned, I'm going to celebrate my birthday soon. So, I'm going to be 52. Oh, my goodness. But going back to when I was 40, I'm going to, before I get into my pivotal moment, which happened when I was 40, um, I'm going to flash back to my late 20s, 30-ish. So, I was on disability. And I was very sick. I was on disability because I wasn't functioning properly. My body was shut down and I was pretty convinced that I was going to die and that um, I went to so many different doctors. You name it, I went to that kind of doctor and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me and it was very frustrating, disappointing. Um, I was so angry and I was so tired of just like not knowing what was wrong with me. Now, I'm not going to get into what the root cause of my health issue was. That's for another day. But there was there was something. So for all the times, doctors looked at me like I was crazy. And they were like, oh, Lorraine, you look good. Lorraine, you look good. What do you mean you don't feel good? Um, there was actually something that was, uh, there was a condition that was making me feel sick. That's for another day, though. Anyway, so while I was on disability, I spent a lot of time on my bed just staring at a, this, my ceiling. That was the vision of my life. And I was worried, will I ever come out of this? This is my late 20s. I was very active, very athletic, very social. And then I found myself, like, my apartment at the time had its stairs. I would be completely debilitated walking up to the top step. So I'd be dizzy. Um, I had so many different issues going on. In any event, I was ultimately, well, at one point I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. So Dr. Google wasn't around. I didn't have a computer. They weren't that popular at that time. Um, And I, you know, didn't have a phone. So I'd go to... Barnes and Noble. I lived in Hoboken at the time. I go to Barnes and Noble and I would read in the aisles different books to try to figure out what in the God's name was wrong with me. And I wound up getting a great book on chronic fatigue. And that led me to wind up being part of a study. I was part of a study nearby in Jersey on chronic fatigue. So there were different tests that I had to take But one of the processes was um, 
I guess it was like a psych analysis. So I had to go to this facility and I was in the sterile room and this woman sat across from me and was asking me all sorts of questions about my upbringing and, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how do you feel about this? And what about that? And, but at one point this woman asked me, Lorraine, do you hear voices in your head? And I stare back at her dead on and I said, yes, I hear voices. She looks at me kind of like, rut row. <laughs> and then, um, and she's like, what do those voices tell you? And I, and I, deep in my soul, I knew it was really important that I just call it as I saw it and the truth of it. But I was like, you know, I hear a voice and I tell that, you know, I hear that I'm going to be okay. I'm going through such a hard time. I feel terrible. I'm kind of scared. I'm angry, but they, you know, I hear this voice and it tells me I'm going to be okay. And I think it's trying to help me. And those, you know, that voice was a buoy for me. It gave me faith that, you know, the silent whisper was like, Lorraine, you're going to be okay. And it, it kind of helped to reassure me when I really didn't know what the next day would bring. So she wound up asking me questions like, is it a male voice? Is it a woman's voice? Blah, blah, blah. But I knew it was important for me whether she judged me as like a cuckoo or not. Because um, at that time, again, like meditation, um, intuition, there's not popular topics. Angels and guides and receiving downloads and all, you know, what's common today was very not common at that time, you know, close to 20, over 20 years ago. So, but I knew it was important for me to say it and I knew it to be true. And, uh, and so yes, those silent whispers of support. So at 40, this is my pivotal moment at 40. I realized that I had an issue because my, my period, my menstrual cycle was irregular. I was bleeding extra and, um, it was off. So turns out I was, I had atypical uterine hyperplasia. So I was really pissed at the time. Cause I was like, hyperplasia, uterine hyperplasia. What is that? I have no idea what it is. Um, you know, all that they, the doctor would say is that, well, it's linked to having excess estrogen. We don't really know exactly what causes it, but basically your uterus lining is thickened. So I'm like, I have a fat uterus. <laughs> so, um, and because I had atypical cells, I didn't have cancer, but the doctor, my gynecologist was like, the, you know, the probability of having cancer, you having cancer is pretty high. So you're going to need to have a hysterectomy. We're going to need to remove your uterus and you're not going to be able to have kids. So the, the seconds that my ear canal received that message, I became a zombie. And it was almost kind of like the room went to slow motion. It's a bit uh, Charlie Brownish, wah, 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 wah. And... I, something died inside me. Like I was devastated. I was like, geez, I'm fucked. I'm screwed. What, like, where do I go from here now? 
I don't know how I'm going to manage. How am I going to deal with myself? And um, I think for the next 36 to 48 hours, I was a zombie. I was just kind of like, if you saw me, you would be like, oh, that's Lorraine. She looks okay. Um, I might have been able to crack a smile, but I was not myself. I was in a debilitated, devastated, heartbroken, uh, not life-affirmed place. And at the time, I worked for a startup hedge fund software company in Midtown, Manhattan, on the east side. And it was a Friday, and I left the office to go home back to Jersey, back to Hoboken, and I went deep in the belly of the New York City subway system. And I was on the platform waiting for a train. And at the time, I had my iPod, like an older version iPod. <laughs> and I was listening to music. And I think I had little tears coming down my eyes and or down my cheeks. And I heard a voice that said, Lorraine, you don't need to lose your uterus. Be nicer to yourself. Love yourself more. And in that moment, I was like, is there someone talking to me? Because the voice was a bit louder than the normal silent whisper. It was still kind of soft, gentle, quiet. But I, I did look around to see who, had, who was talking to me. And I think in this moment, I saved my life <laughs> because... What I normally might have done previously was to judge that voice and be like, what do you mean you don't, I need to love myself more? Of course I love myself. Look at me, I, of course I love myself. Or what do you mean be nicer to myself? I'm nice to myself, I do this for myself, I've done that, I've overcome that, blah, blah, blah. I, I did not judge it, I received it, and I took it in 100%. And I did not restrict the message. I did not put a hold on it. I didn't filter it. I just said, yes, this is true. I can do this. It's important for me to love myself more. It is important for me to be nicer to myself. And I'm not sure if I even know how to do that. But I, in this moment, know that it's the most important thing I could do. And Operation Save Uterus was born, waiting for that subway train to arrive that Friday evening. And that intention to save my uterus was such an electric, energetic, like all my cells throughout my whole body turned on. And they were like, yes, Lorraine, you can do this. And you might not know how to do it, but feel this moment and know that you can do it. And I really didn't know how I was going to save my uterus, because let's face it, it's not like we're really taught that. But I had faith based on that message and 
based on how I felt throughout my whole energetic body, that, that it would be okay. And it was kind of magical because I wound up meeting people randomly that introduced me to other people, different healers. Books would fall off of shelves that I would read and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is an important, this book was written for me. Um, people would follow up with me to say, Lorraine, did you go see my friend so-and-so? Um, and I treated myself, I framed my intention that if I had a baby, what would I do to take care of my baby? And why wouldn't I treat myself that way? And that revolutionized and changed and exponentially transformed my life in miraculous ways. And again, I didn't have all the answers all the time, but I had faith, even going back to my doctors, even going to an oncologist who gave me a hard time and kind of yelled at me. I had faith in the messages and those voices I heard and my inner guidance. And I had faith in the people that I met who shared suggestions and guidance. And I had faith in the fact that if I, if I carried through loving myself more, regardless of whether I had my uterus or not, I would be in a healthier place. And I'm happy to say that I still have my uterus. And even after saving my uterus, I followed the voice. I, I sought it out. I, I, I went deeper and deeper trying to connect and understand where that guidance was coming from. And so that is um, all on the inside. It's in the inside of me, it's in the inside of you, it's in the inside of all of us because we're all connected to a higher force. So whether you wanna call it God, your angels and guides, divine mother, divine father, Jesus, you know, Whatever that higher power is, that higher force, it is available to us if, we're, if we don't put restrictions on it. And so if we allow ourselves to just be free in receiving our next steps, our next um, creative solutions, um, we are creative beings and I think we are here to create uh, our dreams and to create health and faith is just such an important ingredient to that mix. So, yes, so now I am an intuitive energy healer. So I help people um, connect to their healing ability, which involves trusting and having faith. And that's a personal, intimate um, exchange that we have with ourselves, 
but it ripples out with everybody that we cross paths with. So as we wrap up 2019 and we enter into this new decade, I wish you faith, I wish you trust and love and um, connection to you, to yourself in a deeper way and connection to us all because we're all in this together. So big hug, big kiss. Thank you, James. Have a great night, day, wherever you are. Thank you, Lorraine Giordano. That was an amazing story uh, of a miracle that occurred. Um, sometimes people tell us things and they're telling us things based on their story, on what they experienced or their suffering or their limited knowledge. And sometimes, and a lot of times, doctors don't even have it right. Um, the easy thing to do is remove this, remove that, take this, take that. The harder thing to do is go to the root of the problem, which is self-love and to treat it with love. And like, like Lorraine said, whether she had her uterus in the end or not, she still was, would be filled with that beautiful love that she was serving to herself daily. Um, that is one story amongst many that I know of people who have literally healed, them, healed themselves physically just by loving themselves more and whatever that means to them in that moment. So thank you, Lorraine. If that story moved you and you'd like to contact Lorraine, Again, please feel free to email me, james at benemudra.com, or visit my website, benemudra.com, uh, which would be amazing. I'm sure all of our speakers today would love to hear from you, hear uh, what you thought of their stories, and leave your comments and feedbacks and whatnots. So that is it for today. Now, we don't have time to do a meditation today because these stories did take up our full podcast, but I hope that you feel inspired by what you heard today and you continue to be inspired. And if you wake up uninspired or in a place of, of lack of faith, then put yourself in front of something that can reignite the spark of inspiration or faith or hope because hope is there. Hope is a gift uh, and faith is a gift that spirit gave us that keeps us going, that keeps us in a state of belief and truth. And if we know something to be true, like Lorraine knew that she was going to lose her uterus, and if we know that to be true, then it is true, right? And that's the power of the mind and the power of belief and the power of faith. So thank you all for joining the Sunday Supper Podcast uh, sponsored by Benny Mudra. Again, my name is James Benny. I am your host. And until next time, have a beautiful and blessed rest of your day. And I wish you much luck in life. Ciao. Bye-bye.